That's true. I'm his mom. I'm also your host for the Auto Parent Podcast. My name is Reverend Casey Vanatta Casebeer. I am an associate pastor and director of family ministries at Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., and I'm a mom. Y'all, whatever we need this podcast to be, whether it's a space for solidarity or hope, to receive permission to tell guilt and shame to kick rocks, whatever we need for this parenting journey, I pray we find it here together. So come on, let's pray toward it and let's do it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast, episode 11, which we're calling People Who Have Strangely Similar Names. And you're going to see why. I also just want to give a small shout out to my partner, Greg, because when this episode releases on March 24th, it will be his birthday. And I think he'll be 32. Good Lord. He'll be 32. So I'm your host, Pastor Casey, and you all know me. So let's just go ahead and skip that part and go straight into our special guest for this episode. Our special guest is Reverend T.C. Morrow. She is on the staff of the National Religious Campaign Against Torture and also serves as, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to do this without looking at the, at the thing. She is the pastor for Public Witness and Ecumenical Connection. Is that right? That's right. Oh, I got it. Um, a, an amazing and wonderful and awesome title that's sometimes hard to remember at Foundry. And she is a commissioned deacon, just like myself. TC serves in the Baltimore, Washington Conference of the United Methodist Church and is married to her wife, Deaconess Logan Alley. And she is also a mom. So welcome to the pod, TC. Anything else you want to tell us about yourself before we get into some special guest questions? Casey, it is great to be with you today. And I think the only thing that comes to mind is that I am a big Star Wars and Star Trek fan and uh, that uh, I am binging Star Trek Enterprise right now. Excellent. Excellent. Big Star Wars fan over here. So we totally have that in common as well. All right. We're going to just get into these special guest questions. They're my favorite things. They're the same questions every time because I think they're hilarious. The first one is, what is your biggest pet peeve? And (laughs) knowing you as well as I do at this point, I literally cannot wait to hear what you're about to say. (laughs) All right. Two come to mind. I know you asked for biggest, but one kid's related and one not. Great. Not kids related. Calibri font, or more specifically, (laughs) people not changing from the default word settings. This is like peak TC. I love it so much. And on the kids front, I think it's they're leaving three chips in a bag and putting it back on the snack shelf or five grapes and putting it back in the refrigerator and then never, ever going back and finishing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if like your cupboard is like this, but our cupboard is just like an endless sea of like chip bags that have like five or six chips in them <laughs> just forever. 
Indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. I also have a huge pet peeve in, in when people don't change the the default font. It really bothers me too. So that's why I thought that was so funny because Calibri is like so frustrating to me or like Arial. <laughs> and I'll also say this too, like when it comes to like food and like putting stuff back, I'm terrible at, and th- this is so, it makes me seem like uh, like a, like a space cadet. I don't know, but like I will get something out of the cupboard and then put it back in the fridge. Like I do that mm. all the time. And Greg will, <laughs> Greg will be like, the other day he was looking for some chips. Ironically, these cheddar and sour cream chips that we get from Whole Foods, mwah, they are so good. Anyway, he was like, where are the chips, Casey? And I was like, I don't know. Did you check the cupboard? And he was like, yeah, of course I checked the cupboard. Where else would they be? And I was like, I don't know. Did you check the fridge? <laughs> he did. And they were stuffed in the fridge. No. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, sometimes like, I don't know, I can do, I can do really hard things and I can't do really easy things sometimes. So there's that. All right. Our second special guest question, which is also one of my favorite things is if you can think about the hardest time that you've ever laughed it, like the best part about this question is that it doesn't have to be a good story. Um, it just is like a time that you've laughed so, so hard. And if you can recall that time. All right. Here's one that comes to mind. We had a teen placed with us a few years ago, and the school called to ask us to get him to wear his uniform shirt, and it needed to be a a collared uniform shirt. So we pushed him on it, and uh, he, he would have been probably 17 at this point. And to his credit, he did put on the collared shirt. He put the collared shirt on around his neck, (laughs) Like some big necklace while he had on a tank top undershirt as his shirt. And that's what he wore in school. And I'm not going to start laughing right now because if I do, I just won't stop as I think about him and how that um, he was um, uh, my wife and I are foster parents and he was with us for a little over a year and there are just so many stories but that like he he was someone that you know often followed the letter of what was being expected of him what (laughs) someone said but sure not the spirit of what somebody meant so he wore that collared shirt right around his neck I love that. I love that so, so much. I try to do this one too. I think, you know, at this point, pretty much the listeners know what all my pet peeves are. So um, I don't address that every week, but uh, uh, try to do think of a time that I've recently laughed super, super hard. And this one is actually kid related too. We were in, (laughs) we were all in the, in the van. Cash likes to sit like in the very back row. And I was... (laughs) I was sitting in the middle row in a bucket seat across from Riggs. Greg's driving. So like Greg's chauffeuring the whole family. The reason I'm sitting in the back is because I talked last week on the podcast how like life happened. I had some medical stuff going on. And so I'm sitting in the back just because it's more comfortable than sitting in the front because I can recline the bucket seat and whatever. Um, So we get in the car and Riggins, who is three years old at this point, (laughs) he says to me, where are we going? Where are we going, mom? 
And as I started to say, you know, we're going to pick up our grocery order, he was like, to the doctor again. And then he just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and Cash, who is like my super, super sensitive child, like re- comes up from the third row, smacks Riggs on the arm <laughs> and is like, Riggins. And Riggs goes, what? I wasn't antagonizing her. <laughs> <laughs> antagonizing a three-year-old throwing yes. out antagonites. And the reason he throws out it, <laughs> I've never heard him like say it like that. But the reason he uses that term is because all the time I am telling Cash not to antagonize Riggs. All the time I'm saying that. Don't antagonize him. And so for him to go, what? I wasn't antagonizing her. <laughs> Greg, like, I had to pull the car over. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> But it was hilarious. One, that he was like, LOL, mom's only gone to the doctor for the past four days. Of course, that's where we're going. And two, like, oh, he, that child, oh, we should have known. We should have known what we were getting ourselves into when we named him. Okay, we are going to do something, a little bitty segment, (laughs) called Fun Facts, which we do as special guests sometimes. And it's one of my favorite segments that we do ever because we just make up stuff and then we tell everybody it's totally factual and true, which is great. So just pretend like you didn't hear that, listeners, because these facts that we're about to tell you about the voice from heaven are very real. Are are so real. They're 100% true and actually like theologically secure and all of those things. So... Here they are. TC, do you do you want to start? Voice from Heaven fun facts. Did you know that the voice from heaven only speaks in iambic pentameter? <laughs> I have a funny iambic pentameter story. Um, did you know that the voice from heaven uses parenthetical clauses all the time? <laughs> Parenthetically, siding with one of my coworkers who loves to use them. Also, close parenthetical. Did you know that the voice from heaven sometimes forgets which universe she's in when she traverses the multiverse? Oh my gosh, that's totally true. (laughs) Did you know that the voice from heaven is actually James Earl Jones every other Tuesday and Queen Latifah all the other days? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Did you know that the voice from heaven is like a box of chocolates? You never know what you're going to get. (laughs) So true. So true. This has been a segment called Fun Facts this week about the voice from heaven. And I just want to go ahead and say, like, you're welcome. These are are totally true. (laughs) Totally true. We are going to move into our segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins. We'll start with Parenting Fails. I'll go first. I have a parenting fail from a listener this week, which I'm super excited to share with you. This is from Rachel. In an effort to increase our daughter's independence, last night I let her be responsible for closing her own car door, and then I went inside to make dinner. This morning, my husband found the door wide open, and it rained all night. And she is not laughing, but she was totally willing to share that with the pod in case it spreads some joy or some solidarity to some of you listeners out there. So, TC, do you have a parenting fail for us this week? On that same uh, theme of um, empowering or not empowering our children, one for me is dishes. 
for the two teens that are with us right now, one fail is how I and we have handled the dishes. And it's an, it's an example of doing something myself because I don't have the energy to explain it instead of taking the time to do so. Sure. And then months or years later, when I'm still doing it and I am just <laughs> shaking my head, wondering why <laughs> is this how I proceeded? So when you raise a child from little, I imagine that you get to explain to them and teach things to them over time. Well, I don't just imagine that. I, I know that. Yeah. And imagine that parents who raise children from little, um, you know, they take advantage of those opportunities. Um, (laughs) But when you have a teenager just show up one day, they come with a lot, but not necessarily how things run in your house. And so when our older daughter arrived two years ago, I was being extra nice and wanting her to feel really welcome. And also probably not wanting to spend the energy on teaching her how we expected dishes to be done and the specialness of our dishwasher, you know, not wanting to deal with all of that right in the first few weeks. Sure. And so now two years later, I totally regret how I handled this task, (laughs) this everyday task. And we've addressed it some, but totally wish I had handled it differently from the beginning, instead of just continually saying to her in an attempt to make her feel welcome, which it was a good thing, but I just kept saying, oh, leave it in the sink and I'll deal with it. But oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a slow burn, a long, <laughs> a, a long arc of a parenting fail, that one for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean... That's so interesting that you say that. My grandmother had the kids like unloading the dishwasher, like when you're like, they should not be carrying glass plates or glass anything. Like they were too (laughs) hobbling around with like little plates. And I was like, this is not okay. But now my kids love to empty the dishwasher, empty it. I mean, load it sometimes. Sometimes go in and grab like uh, measuring cups or big spoons or tongs and use them to play. So they will just oh, yes. Now, <laughs> whether they're clean or dirty. Yeah, clean or dirty. Just yeah. it's an yeah. all access pass to the dishwasher at this point. So it could be that, which, you know. So dishwashers uh, uh, and dishwashing, I'm sure a theme of many a parenting fail for the auto parent podcast family. All right, so let's shift into parenting confessions. I have one today that is like, more of just like a human confession. I mean, I guess it's a parent. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a parenting confession. So we did this really great thing, which was that we got out our snow cone maker this past week, just because like things were cray. Like we, (laughs) we didn't know which way was up. Like I had just gotten out of the, the hospital. Like there were, I mean, it was just complete and utter nonsense as it usually is in the Van Beer household, but we needed something that, you know, might be a little bit fun and distracting. And so Greg was like, why don't we get the snow cone maker out? And I was like, sure. So he did. He got the snow cone maker out. You know, we've been making snow cones like every day. It's been, it's, it's terrible, but it's also amazing. And this morning before the kids got up, I went and I made myself a snow cone. (laughs) 
I was worried they were going to wake up and want one. And so I just took it in the shower with me, TC. And I ate a snow cone in the shower this morning. This morning, I ate a snow cone in the shower. And I don't know if that is peak pandemic or a cry for help, but that's where I am. That's where I am right now. Snow cones in the shower, which should be a hashtag. So that's where we're at. I don't know if you have a confession, but please make me feel better about myself. Well... Uh, one comes to mind uh, when Logan is still at work or in an evening meeting, I sometimes tell the kids I have work to do so that I can eat dinner in peace and watch whatever Netflix show that I'm binging. Amazing. Oh. I do I do make sure they're they've at least been offered food. Um, <laughs> Great. Great. They, well, anyway, that's a whole nother matter. But yes, I make sure they're eating or have been offered food and then just take a little time. Excellent. <laughs> Yesterday, I guess this is a confession to my six-year-old has found the perfect place to poke his little bony fingers on my shoulder while I'm in a meeting, just like right here. And oh. it gets so annoying. Anyway, I was sitting at my computer just trying to have a minute just wanted a minute alone. Anyway, I've been with the kids since like early in the morning. This was like like 5.30 p.m. last night. And he's just like poking me. And I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set a timer for five minutes. You're going to go in another room and you're going to leave me alone. That's what's going to happen. And he would poke his head out every, <laughs> every like minute and say, how many minutes now? How many minutes now? And I just kept thinking, he's going to forget. He's going to forget. He's going to forget. And at one point, he poked his head out. It had been like 10 minutes. And he was like, how many minutes left? And I was like, three. (laughs) Just like, leave me alone. Um, So, yeah, a lot of my kids about setting a timer and telling them how long is left all the time. Uh, Pastor Ben, when he was on the podcast, was like, I'm not sure what a difference between a parenting confession and parenting fail is. And I was like, well, parenting confessions are mostly just lies. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where we are. Uh, That's our parenting confessions. Now let's transition into, you know, my favorite part, which is the heartwarming part, the parenting wins. I got one yesterday. So after this whole debacle of him poking me and not leaving me alone, he came, he finally came and said, is the, he was poking me and said, is the timer up? And I said, no, I turn around to look at him. His pants are around his ankles. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, I pooped. And I turned to him and said, you can wipe your butt by yourself. I'll, no, I said, I'll tell you what you can do. You can wipe your butt by yourself and you can leave me alone. And I hear him like starting to sniff and cry as he goes back into the room. And he like, he gen- he's six. Like he generally does a really good job of wiping his butt. But like sometimes, you know, he needs a little extra help. And I think that's what he needed. And I was just like, I'll tell you what you can do. So that's total parenting fail. But here's what happened next. After I had my moment, And I was able to like sit down and wind down a little bit. He came and sat with me on the couch and he said, mommy, I'd really like to talk to you about when you screamed at me. And I was like, okay, let's talk about it. And he was like, it just doesn't make sense because I know that you love me and you yelled at me and it made me feel sad. And I was like, oh, my heart. Um, So I took that opportunity to explain to him 
what anxiety was. Mm. <laughs> and it was a huge moment where I was able to say, look, there, there is this thing that I have called anxiety and it was raging today. And there is no excuse for the way that I screamed at you and I'm very sorry. But do you ever have these big emotions that sometimes you don't know what to do with? And he said, yes. When Riggs gets really upset with me and hits me or throws something at me, I, ha I get really big feelings and I get really overwhelmed. And he was like, is that anxiety? <laughs> and I was like, no, but that's what it feels like for mommy. And I was like, so, and he said, so you chose to scream at me? And I was like, yeah. I chose to scream at you and I'm really sorry, but it was like this beautiful, awesome conversation that we got to have on the couch of a, a little bit of redemption that I honestly didn't know yesterday if I was going to get because mm. it was a day, if you know yeah. what I mean. So yeah, that's my one for this week and it was really special and I'll hold on to it for a while. Do you have one of those? One thing is um, that I have uh, successfully taught the older of the two that are with us right now, um, and, and she's been with us for two years. I've taught her how to be an attentive driver. Oh, that's amazing. And <laughs> well, so she's not yet an actual driver, though it's it's coming soon. And so it's how to be an attentive passenger right sure. now, <laughs> uh, watching what other cars are up to. And I got the biggest smile. It was a, f uh, a few weeks ago. It was the first time that she recounted to me um, being a passenger with someone else and full disclosure, not my wife. I do not want to get in trouble. <laughs> she was a passenger with someone else and was realizing that they were not fully stopping at stop signs. And I was just felt like, hey, I taught some other human being something that's important to me. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So, so, so much. It's, that, it's funny too, the things that you can do with teenagers that you can't do with like kids that are my kids age. Like we accidentally said something to cash about smoking, not being good for you. And now anytime he sees somebody with a cigarette, he's very vocal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if we taught him the stop sign thing, he would right. be screaming <laughs> at people. <laughs> So it's just very like, here's another moment where um, if we have listeners of the pod who are parenting teenagers, this is like, um, and, and parents of small children, like this is one of those good differences, things that you can teach teenagers that maybe don't work out so well for younger kids. Awesome. I love that. As a reminder, we love getting submissions for parenting fails, confessions, and wins. So if you have any that you'd like to submit to the pod, you can do so on Instagram and on Twitter at AutoParent. Uh, we would also love to hear your voice. So if you want to send us a voice memo, that would be cool too. We can play that on the pod as well. We had a listener submission this week via Twitter, so it's working and y'all keep sending those. And now it's time to do a little something different. So this is our Get Real segment where each week we read the lectionary text from the Sunday before and we get real. This lectionary text is John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Here it is. 
in the new revised standard version. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of God. So let's do some initial reactions. TC, what are your initial reactions to this text? Well, there's some it's a lot happening in these verses. Not too many verses, but a lot, a lot packed in. Uh, and in that last part, the gospel writer is really making sure that we get it uh, just big neon flashing sign to make sure that we don't miss it. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was going, that he was to die. Yeah. And for you? I mean, it's interesting, right? Like there, there are a couple places in the gospel and in the epistles where we hear in scripture, this idea of of losing life, of taking up the cross, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and ultimately it resulting in death. And to read this text as is, as is appropriate and lectionarily so, I just made lectionary into an adverb, to read it during Lent specifically and to think about what it looks like sacrificially is, is interesting. It's something that weighs on me a little bit. It's, it's constantly a theme that comes up in the podcast to thinking about the ways in which a lot of what we are called to as followers of Jesus, as Christian folk, involves most often how it's communicated, more of us. We like, give me more of you, <laughs> lose your life, like the disciple call, drop your nets, drop your yeah. livelihood. Don't say goodbye to your family. Give me everything that you have. And how so often it feels like as a parent and with most of our parents, specifically now in a pandemic, to be, to think about losing anything else is like a whole damn thing. So yeah, that's just like some initial reactions that I had. What about like, I mean, I don't know. How does that sit with you? How do how do you how do you sort of reconcile the the sacrificial nature, this this the suffering, the losing of life, the 
all of that that is sort of incumbent upon the Jesus follower? Yeah, I I was uh, I looked at the New Interpreter's Bible commentary of this text, and it was interesting. The um, the author who I did not look up who did the John section. Uh, so apologies to that person who I cannot name right now, was talking about the difference between the synoptics and what is here in in John. And I can't on memory uh, go into a lot of it, but the, the difference between relationship building here in John and that, the, that Jesus' death isn't so much the sacrifice part, but the sort of Jesus' death happens life as a human death happens and then it then is bringing people together in community and mm-hmm. the very beginning of this passage with the reference to the Greeks is talking about Gentiles and the involvement of not just Jewish followers of Jesus but Gentile followers or the early community so i guess I'm wrestling with what this text means compared to some of the other uh, the synoptics, just in terms of atonement. Atonement is always something that comes up. I need to not be on the record about what I actually feel and believe about atonement theory, which is funny because sacrifice is sort of like, I definitely wasn't using that in the way that evangelical culture has used sacrificial blood and sacrificial lamb of Jesus. Like, well, that definitely is, is I was thinking more about sacrifice as, as a, well, in our own lives, the sacrifice of humanity and, and that balance is a lie. <laughs> like w- at some point we have to sacrifice something. What are we sacrificing? And I think there's this, this beautiful message about integration and, and holistic faith and all of those things too. But yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really interesting to think about the relationship of John to the synoptics, which is something that we that has been a, a theme on the podcast, really. I think what you said specifically about community really resonated with me in that the work of and the existence of and the beauty, really, of trying to do this whole faith thing is that we get to do it in community. And so the fact that we exist only in a virtual community in this in this moment. I'm wondering how how that's impacting this journey in that way specifically. Right. So many churches are faith communities are only gathering virtually, but then on the flip side, we're all in we're all in community in some way, I guess, unless someone's completely living off the grid in a very rural location by themselves. You know, whether it's the people in your apartment building or on your block, et cetera. And this passage and others that talk about what it means to follow Jesus, you know, really makes me think about some of my fellow Christians in this country and their prioritizing personal freedoms instead of community and the call to love your neighbor. And, you know, in this passage, like it's all about for the sake of love and, and that love is not about loving your own life. And as you were getting at in the beginning about sacrificing, you know, it's, it's not about 
sacrificing other people for your own benefit. It's about what you yourself need to sacrifice for for the sake of the community. Yeah, that's a whole word. I think too about <laughs> about how this is another yet another text in the John Gospel where we're we're getting a, a foretelling of what's to come. As you say, like there's this big sign, like here's what's going to happen. Like I told you that at the temple when I flipped over tables and like we did this whole thing that this temple was going to be torn down in three days, it would rise again. There's this continual, (laughs) get it. This is what's coming. Get it. This is what's coming. And how often we, when we find ourselves isolated and insulated from community, from connection with other people, sometimes it's really easy to miss God. And in this text to sort of make that connection between like, this is how we show up and Jesus saying again and again and again, like, this is what is going to happen. And they never get it. <laughs> they never get it. I just wonder if you have any thoughts about about that. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine for people who are have a more contemplative spirit, that it's probably not or at least my understanding, I am. I would not put myself in that vein at all, that for them, it's not the disconnect. But for me, at least, absolutely. And how I, how I experience God is in the world and in oftentimes other people. One of the things I really have missed in the last year is my commute, because I would use my time on the metro to be in prayer and that just observing the people around me. And, you know, that's not the community of, of friends or faith community, but for me, that, uh, just an example of a connection point that I have definitely missed. I think also the, Virtual opportunities to gather in community are great, but if you're used to, for example, being with a group of people every Friday night for your small group or something, it's just not the same. Like if something started as a Zoom small group, like from the very beginning, sure. and that's what it was, yeah, great, but that's different because you have the expectations that that that's how you're connecting with each other. But the transition from in-person to then virtual, I know was really hard for a lot of us. Yeah. And hard, yeah, hard, especially for our parents too. I'm thinking about how maybe what I'm coming around to about specifically what this text might mean, not even necessarily like exegetically or contextually or whatever, but thinking about how spirit is moving within me in this moment for what this text might mean for our parents is just that like, and, and as we're in a season of, of lament at Foundry, that's kind of the series that we're working with for Lent. <laughs> I think we've, for me at least, I've had a lot of lament about not being in community, but I haven't I haven't invited God into that space. Mm. I haven't. What I've mostly done is been real irritated about it. (laughs) Um, And as somebody who started at Foundry 
in 2020, like started in January and only got two months of Foundry community. I've especially been very like, this is not, I love it. I love it. I love my job. I cannot believe that this is the work that I get to do. And this is not how I signed up to do it. And so I have had a lot of lament about what it looks like to not be in community in the same way. And what I haven't done is taken that next step to invite God into that space to see perhaps more creative expressions of community, as you were mentioning earlier, and how that might impact my overall morale and well-being Mm. and um, how I might be able to show up better as a person and a parent in my family unit. What would it look like for you to invite God into, into that for you? Yeah, I think that's the question, right? And I think it may look different for every person, but it's an encouraging thing to me to want to think more about what that actually looks like. Perhaps it's being more open in those conversations. Perhaps it's writing my own turnabout psalm where I'm like, this sucks. You're Mm. terrible. Turn around. I'm tired of this. And also, God, you are unbelievably faithful. I see your face in community even so. Like things like that to be able to to sort of integrate rather than, than compartmentalize those pieces. Absolutely. It's good to be able to lament, to name all the badness, all the hardness, and and to be grounded in the hope when we're when we're to the point where who is it Brueggemann I guess with the 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 reorientation yeah um, right when yeah, we're the... when we're at the point that we can be fully claiming the hope yeah and actually this is I mean this is what we've been talking about in uh, children's messages and worship and it's it's something that we'll, we talked about this past week too. And you know what I love about those Psalms is that sometimes it's hope and sometimes it's just like, these are foundational truths that I know deep within my soul, Mm. deep within my core, not because somebody told me, not because this is what I read in a book, but because this is what I, as a part of of a community, know, like my soul knows this and you can feel it as like soul truth and to me, that is hope. But sometimes if we can't muster hope, it's enough to just say, God, you are. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. right, that's God's name. Indeed. I am. And it's enough to just say that as a foundational truth. God, you are. I've got one more um, on this, what the passage means for parents or really for all of us. The great line about the voice from heaven and yes. uh, some people are, uh, the gospel writer says as thunder and thunder was a, an explanation of, of the voice of God. And then others as the uh, hearing angels. And it, just a good reminder that when a voice comes from heaven, different people may understand it differently. Yeah. And that that's a reminder for me, even more generally, that even when two people share literally the same event, that their experiences of it can be completely different. Yeah, that's really powerful, TC. It's actually like um, I'm noticing that it's welling up some emotion in me. And I'm not really even sure where that's coming from, but 
it's super powerful and a helpful reminder too. It might be, be even a little bit of a salve for some of the events of this, you know, past week and thinking about how, you know, some of our siblings in Christ have been sort of culpable to all kinds of harm. That's I'm just like noticing how much of a of a powerful word that was for me. So for that, I thank you. We are going to move into a parent mantra for this week. But before we do, I want you to tell people where they can interact with you, like share your Twitter, give us some TC plugs. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm on Twitter, but I rarely use it. So (laughs) I can't. Boy, Casey, I should really know what my Twitter handle is. I only use it during (laughs) mainly during United Methodist meetings of annual conference or general conference right. and occasionally an anti-torture tweet in my <laughs> uh, my primary ministry setting uh so that that is totally not even useful uh um, well you manage except, our foundry twitter account as well so yes make yes. sure follow us on uh on so, twitter at foundry umcdc I will plug if it's okay. Please. So my primary ministry setting is at the National Religious Campaign Against Torture. And uh, we were founded in 2006 in the wake of the Abu Ghraib photo scandal. What we subsequently knew that the torture program uh, by the CIA after the 9-11 attacks. And Mm -hmm. we continue to call for accountability for that program and to close the prison at Guantanamo. And we also in uh, 2009 expanded the scope of our work to looking at conditions in U.S. prisons. And uh, my colleague Johnny Perez directs our U.S. prisons program. And we're focused particularly around the use of solitary confinement. And one of the things uh, related to young people is pushing for solitary confinement to not be used for anyone under the age of 18. So mm-hmm. listeners might be interested to know about that. And for me, the work is really important in linking our Christian commitments to uphold the dignity of all people and the image of God in all people and to really love our neighbor. And what does it mean to really put that into practice? Uh, so you can follow us at Nearcat Tweets on Facebook slash N-R-C-A-T. And there are not that many T period, C period morrows in this country. <laughs> so if anyone wants to to look me up on uh, LinkedIn or on Twitter, uh, you can T period, C period morrow. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, thank you so much, TC. I should have told you at the top, she's a badass. Um, but now, I mean, clearly you understand that. I am thankful for you just as a partner in ministry, as somebody who I saw shepherd and love my kids really early on and um, my tenure at Foundry and as as a friend and fellow dot C. So, <laughs> and can you believe we got through this whole podcast and not one of us made a JC reference? That's true. <laughs> we should have. Oh my God. Every week we'll have a parent mantra, something that you can say to yourself or to your partner so that you can be reminded you're not alone. The Auto Parent Podcast family and the Foundry Family Ministries are with you on this journey. Your mantra for this week is I am not alone. I am not 
alone. Because friends, if you don't believe that, it's gonna be really hard to convince your kids. I've been your host, Pastor KC. You can follow me on Twitter at RevKCVC. And remember to be gentle with yourselves. You don't have to be an auto parent to be a good one. Join us next week, same time, same place. You can find out more information about Foundry United Methodist Church by visiting our website, www.foundryumc.org. If you're specifically looking for information about our Family Ministries Department or our offerings for parents, you can find those at www.foundryumc.org slash family ministries. Thank you.